Hello, my friend. Jeff C. here with a great new resource that I put together just for you. It's a complete database of all the tools that I use to create content and run my business. I've got apps, software, hardware, and even my favorite AI tools. It's easy to find what you need and tells you exactly how I'm using them in my business. To get access to my toolbox, just go to jeffc.com forward slash toolbox. That's J-E-F-F. S is in Sam, I-E-H. That's I before E, especially in C. That's how my mama had me learn it. So go check it out. And if you haven't heard me say it in a while, I appreciate you listening, my friend. And now, on with the episode. Keeping you up to date on the world of social media. Industry experts. Innovators. Creators. Storytellers. And the latest social media tools, tips, and tactics. This is Social Media News Live. Hello, folks. Welcome to Social Media News Live. I'm Jeff C. And you're not. And I'm Connor Brown. And this is the show that keeps you up to date on what's happening in the world of social media and more. Are you ready to dive into the world of video content creation, but not sure where to start? Maybe you're wondering about the right camera gear to kick off your journey, or maybe even how you can create engaging videos that truly resonate with your audience. If those questions are on your mind, well, hey, you're in the right place because today we're excited to welcome Luis Vega to our show. Luis is going to share his tips on how to uplevel your video and camera gear game. So sit back, clear your schedule, clear your mind, and get ready for this week's episode of Social Media News Live. Luis, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? It's going to be so much fun. This is going. I'm so excited that you're here. So if you don't know who Lise Vega is, you should. He is a multifaceted digital media enthusiast with expertise in photography, videography, editing, and content creation. Luis is a prominent figure in the digital media landscape, producing the Flow podcast for Ecamm alongside personalities like Doc Rock and Katie Fox. He is known for creating and editing content various uh, across various YouTube channels, including his very own. He is an amazing guy, super smart. Luis, thank you for being on the show today. Such an amazing introduction. I've never had that. I might clip it out and use it in other videos just to let you know. Okay, that'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> help me feel better about myself for jumping over that. And by the way, uh, and we mentioned that Luis is takes care of the, the Flow podcast. We could not do this show without our amazing sponsors, Ecamm. You can find out more about them at ecamm.com forward slash Jeff. That goes to a special landing page. And if you use the code Jeff15, you save 15% off your first purchase. Go check them out. Amazing community. That's where I, I got to hang out with Luis and get to know him better. It's just it's just a fabulous place. So ecamm.com forward slash Jeff. All right. Let's go back to the, my question that I had. Thank you, Connor, for keeping the show on yeah. the rails. That's what he's here for. What is the first piece of camera gear that you re- recommend for beginners getting started in content creation? Well, the first piece of camera gear they already own. So everyone's talking about it. And one of the things is that probably the best camera that most people have, especially for video, is already in their pocket. Right. Today's day and age, the smartphone has come leaps and bounds comparative to what we would consider a traditional camera not too long ago. And I'm saying just about five years ago, the amount of um, ground that digital cameras on phones have made up or come up to what we consider traditional cameras today. If you're just starting out, believe it or not, the video quality that you have on your phone is more than adequate. So does do you recommend an iPhone or Android or does it really matter? Well, it really doesn't matter. There's a lot of people who are saying that, you know, like they prefer some picture quality over the other. I say that the picture quality on both is how would I say GE quality mm-hmm. good enough, right? <laughs> right? Because there's a certain a certain aspect that you get or a certain look that you get from the phone that kind of already instills or implants genuine uh genuinity so to Mm -hmm. speak or Mm -hmm. authenticity into the video because they don't think that it's a high production and it's somebody or something that's being created by someone in their own home so the look that you get from phone video is kind of already like intuitively built into people when they're watching it Oh, that's a great point. I know that makes a, a difference on like certain platforms like TikTok and even some, you know, Amazon videos. I know there's been some tests uh, that way as well. Yeah. So that's a great point. That makes sense. I love that. And I think, you know, at some point people do 
once they start using their phone and they're getting comfortable with it, they do still want to make that that next purchase, right? They want to invest in themselves mm-hmm. and go from there. But this is a great question from from Jim. We have he says that one question he gets asked all the time is how does a beginner get started by making their first purchase on a tight budget without wasting their money? I think that's the big thing, without wasting their money. And he says, is it just buy used or older tech and and hope it works? What what would you say to that, Luis? Well, that's a really good question because I am a adamant believer in buying used gear mm-hmm. if you know what that's- you're looking for. Right. And that's the whole thing. It's kind of I I equate it to people who are in the like vintage car niche where like you can find a good, you know, old school, you know, like what they would say, a barn find. Right. Mm -hmm. But you have to know what you're looking for, because not everything that's kind of decaying in a barn is worth fixing up. Equating it to that, I said that it's a really good idea if you know what you're looking for. If you don't, like the question states, and you're just hoping for the best, I would highly recommend getting anything a lot newer because there's going to be a lot of, um, I would say, quality of life, you know, like um, advancements that are going to mm-hmm. be built into these systems that are going to make it a lot easier than the learning curve you're going to have with a piece of kit that's just a bit older. Is there a, like you mentioned used gear and a lot of, you know, we get a little nervous. I know parting with our our hard earned cash when, when we don't know where it's coming from. Do you have sites or places that you trust that you could kind of let us know about that? We know we're not going to get ripped off. They're a a reputable company Um, because I think other than eBay, a lot of people don't know where they can get used stuff. And eBay isn't even sometimes the best place to find things. Well, yeah, now there's so many different establishments and locations for used gear. Some that I've used is Gear Focus, KEH, MBP.com. These are all websites that are literally dedicated to the photography and videography niche where they you can buy and sell your own equipment and actually pick up good gear and good quality at a really good price. Mm-hmm. I picked up a Rockinon. 12 millimeter lens, my Sony cameras that usually goes for about $400 for about $200 just because I grabbed it without all the extra accessories like the, the instruction booklet and the box that it originally came in. And when it shipped to my house, the thing looked immaculate and I used it and I still use it till today. So it's Mm. a very good option. Like I said, if you know what you're looking for. Here's another question I wanted to ask is, do you find value in renting lenses? Let's say you did get a good DSLR at a, a discount rate and you you may have a standard lens that you might be doing your, your video production with or your live streaming with, but you go for a shoot or you get a client who maybe wants you to do something, you know, some more portrait type stuff. Do you recommend rent, renting lenses? Like I know that there's a, there's a couple good lens rentals out there. Have you ever done that? Yeah, that's actually a really good way to see if you want to invest in a piece of gear or not. Now, I do have some reserves on just renting gear for your own sake, because a lot of times you could actually end up saving money by just purchasing it outright. That's a whole different conversation. But if you're being paid by a client to do a photo shoot, then I would recommend to put the rental fee already into your price Mm -hmm. so that that way you can rent the item that you want. Have it, I would say in, in all sincerity, rent it for a week before you actually have to have the photo shoot. Rent it for a little bit longer because you're also going to need to learn how to use it with your equipment. And you don't want to waste time learning how to set that up when you're on site doing the actual production of the photo shoot. So Mm -hmm. that would be my recommendation to you. But that would be a good way to test out lenses. And if for whatever reason you're not liking the results that you're getting from the rental, you usually still have your main, you know, lens that you can use as your like go to as your backup and then if you really liked the final product of what you got from renting that lens then you know already that that could be something that you can add to your arsenal 
That's a great point. So for example, my son got engaged last month and my daughter is a, is a great photographer. She's been coming with me on. Congratulations. On yeah. And so thank you. And so <laughs> the lens that she wanted was a $2,000 like portrait lens. Like it was like really oh. nice. And I'm like, you know what? Um, let's rent it. And so we did. The pictures were fabulous. And no, and now we know that like, this is something, it will be an investment later, but I didn't, I didn't want to drop $2,000 on a lens that like uh, she says is great. I don't know about it. And so it was a great compromise for us. And to come to find out it's, it's an, it's, it's worth its weight for that kind of lens. Yeah. So uh, it's worth that investment, but I still haven't gotten it yet. I'm going to hold off on that one, but it was, it was a great way to do that. And it was so seamless how to do it. You know, you, you just go to the site, tell them what lens you need and they ship it to you. And we had it for, I think it was an entire week. And then we sent it back and it was, I, I think it was only like a hundred and, close to $200 maybe, but instead of 2000, mm -hmm. that was a big deal. It was a great way to test it. Exactly. As well. Yeah. Love yeah. Because that. the worst thing that will happen is that you spend $2,000 on a lens like that and you're not happy with the results. Right. right? right. So yeah, it's exactly. a good way to like test it out. It's kind of like, once again, a test drive before you buy. Right. That's a great analogy. That's a great analogy. So let's say, you know, we're beyond the, the iPhone camera, the Android camera. What is it? Mm -hmm. Luis, what you have any, good, just budget friendly camera setups. So kind of the, what you need for it, that, that makes it versatile enough to shoot across multiple types of social media content. I feel like a lot of people are, are nervous because they think, oh, I'm going to get this, but it's only going to work well for video streaming, or it's not going to work well for, you know, posting to Instagram or, or wherever it is. So any budget friendly options that can be, you know, create content to post across the social media landscape. Now there's a variety of different brands out there. I tend to lean towards Sony because they're in my eyes, the number one when it comes to video content. And that has to do a lot with their autofocus features. So if you're a solo content creator and you're looking to start out, I would recommend my budget friendly camera is a Sony ZV-1F. It is their entry level camera. It is their most inexpensive camera. Usually starts around $500, but regularly is on sale for 20% off at around $400. So at $400, the CV-1F to me is kind of a no brainer beginner camera for anyone starting to do content creation. It is video centric. So it doesn't have a viewfinder in it. It's It can take photos, but it's not designed for photography. The ZV line is Sony's Zen Vlogger series. So that vlog style camera is designed for video. It has a front facing camera. It has a three capsule microphone. So the audio is actually really good on such a small device. It has a 20 millimeter fixed lens that is wide enough for vlogging, but still gives you a bit of capability if you want to zoom in and tighten up the shot. And last of all, it is very easy to use for beginner content creators and if you want to also utilize it as a webcam it's as simple as plug and play one usb-c cable and then the camera itself will ask you to put it into like webcam mode and it mm -hmm. automatically becomes accessible to all of your webcam associated programs, including the audio right from it, all from one cable. So for my recommendation, if you're starting out and you're looking to get past your smartphone camera, the Z Sony ZV-1F is my recommendation. Awesome. Love it. Yeah. So we have uh, Katie Simpson here and she was one of the ones who was really excited that we were having you on, Luis, because she was like, I, I need some help. But she she has a couple questions and I wanted to bring them up. She goes, I brought my ZV-E10 secondhand, but it didn't come with leads. So as a complete beginner, it took me a year to get the confidence and knowledge to use it for live streaming, still learning. And then she asked, do you need a capture card for live streaming with a camera? Can I get away with a cheap one? And why do we need one? That's a great question, Katie. So, Luis, what would you tell Katie? Well, it depends on the type of quality that you want to get. Now, the camera that I just mentioned, including the one that she owns, the ZV E10, right? The ZV line has mm -hmm. that feature where you can just plug and play a USB C cable mm -hmm. and put the camera into webcam mode. Now, okay. that webcam mode is going to ask the USB C cable to transmit video 
audio and also keep the camera powered on. So to do all of those things, it kind of limits the quality of image that's going to be coming out of that USB-C cable to 720p as your highest resolution. Now, if you want to get higher resolutions that the camera is capable of doing, this being on this or a variety of different cameras, you will then need to connect a video capture card with an HDMI cable. Now, once you have that set up, preface that not all capture cards are created equal. I use the Elgato Camlink 4K because not only does it receive a 4K image, but it lets me transmit a 4K image. Now you can get away with the less expensive Amazon options, but just be aware that even though they say 4K, that means that they can receive a 4K signal but then they would only transmit a 1080 signal out to your computer. And that is the drawback to the less expensive units, but you will still need a capture card to increase your visual fidelity in mm -hmm. the resolution when it comes to these cameras. That's a great thing. And so uh, Katie, um, one of the, I love Elgato products, so I don't need a, a capture card with mine because of this, the way my system is, but I have all their lights. I'm using their prompter. I mean, everything that I, that Elgato has is, is usually pretty high end. And so I'm a big fan of the company. So I would uh, recommend exactly what Luis said there. On that note, Luis, is there something that when people are starting to create content or maybe very, very beginner level that, that they always kind of forget or misconceptions and things that they should be aware of, you know, they got some money, they've saved up, they're ready to create content. What, what cause you help people put together this stuff all the time. What is something that a lot of people tend to forget. Well, I have a saying, I'm not going to drop it here, but it's um, glass before yeah. everything else, so to speak, which right. is the optics of your lens is actually more important than the camera body. And that's mm -hmm. what most people really don't understand. So then they're thinking that they're buying a camera for, you know, 700, a thousand, twelve hundred dollars. And some people that are newly into this don't realize that there would be a added cost of a lens that needs to be added to this budget as well, which will now increase your camera price. So when it comes to that, Keep that in mind if you're beginning that if you're looking to get into a higher end camera in the interchangeable lens system, then lenses is a completely different cost and something that you have to budget for so that you can get the most out of that equipment. Gotcha. So on that note, uh, I just want to make it clear because I, I think, I don't know if you said it or I've heard some other camera people talk about it, but it was that the cool thing about when you invest in glass or the lenses, a lot of people short, you know, people call it glass. It's an investment, but it's something that you can, if you keep in the same camera line, it doesn't like the technology doesn't like go away. I mean, you can continue using it. Yeah, it doesn't a lot of, devalue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So can you talk about that just a little bit, how important it is? Like, it's not just something you're going to buy, buy glass and it's not going to work ever again. It tends to, you know, continue. I'm going to give you the best example, which I have a variety of different lenses and things like that. But because we were just that social media, uh, not social media marketing world, <laughs> I'm getting ready for other things. <laughs> yeah. We were just at Podfest here in Orlando. I kind of grabbed all of my lenses and threw them in the bag. So to set this up, I grabbed one of my vintage lenses. So right now I'm using a Quantaray 19 to 35 film lens that's designed for Canon cameras. And I have it adapted with a Metabones adapter to my Sony a6100. And it's a manual focus lens. Mm. So there's no electronics right. to it. Right. But because the glass that's in front of it is still high quality, I'm still able to utilize it today. That's a great point. That's a great point. And I, I think that's when people don't, they, they're so used to like, okay, my iPhone's out of date. I got to, you know, get the new one. I got to either send it back or trade it in or whatever glass. If you keep it in the Canon or Sony or whatever line you're in Nikon or whatever, then, and we, even with you, you can add adapters to it. It's not like you're stuck in this. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. today's new technology with mirrorless cameras that you have that adaptability. But mm -hmm. prior to that, you were kind of trying to stick to your ecosystem mm -hmm. because the glass kind of lasted longer than all the camera bodies. And this goes throughout all the manufacturers, right? 
if you're a Fuji shooter, right, and they come out with a new camera body with the same mount, that means all the lenses that you've invested into that system prior will now attach to the new camera that has the latest feature. It's kind of like getting a turbocharger to the car that you already have. So like you have something that can move you in that direction, but now you got that upgrade and it still utilizes everything that you've already owned. Yeah. It's a lot like, uh, you know, sometimes when they upgrade the gaming systems, you can still use the previous versions games on the new one. Yeah. They're starting to do that less and less, but that's kind of why the people, you know, I'm an Xbox man, I'm a PlayStation man. It's the same sort of, of yeah. knowledge with, that. um, although, uh, uh, much less technical. It's just a CD right. that you put for those, but you have your equipment, right? You're, you're made your decision. You're either mirrorless or this or interchangeable lenses. You think you got a grasp on that, but then it comes time to actually use it. And so often that can be even scarier or people don't know where to start compared to just buying the camera equipment itself. We we're talking about aperture, manual focus. You just mentioned Luis. There's so much nomenclature and, and things to learn about actually operating the camera. So when it comes to those just starting out, what are the best places for people to go to learn specific camera settings and techniques, any online courses, experimentation, or any other methods that you have? I would have to say the University of YouTube. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like we're all on here sharing so much information. So it really depends on where you are in your life. Right. Usually you have an abundance of time or money. And if you're short on time and you have the money, then there's also plenty of camera courses out there that you can buy that take all the information that's on YouTube and condense it to you so that you can streamline your education process. But if you have more time, then I suggest you really take the time and hit up the University of YouTube because there's plenty of free information out there. A lot of things, including myself, always trying to help out that there's more than an abundance of people on this platform willing to help absolutely for free. All you have to do is take the time to find us. By the way, and, and I think this is Katie, she is saying, Luis, do you have a YouTube videos about specific cameras or beginner videos? And you do have some there because, I, I mean, I went and checked your channel. So you can find Luis's YouTube channel, MrCameraJunkie.com. That kind of gets to a lot of his stuff. But you're you're Mr. Camera Junkie on YouTube as well, right? No, what are and you? Everything. Okay, like everything. on Twitter, okay. on, you know, gotcha. TikTok. What's the other ones? Um grinder not playing <laughs> <laughs> so, so um yeah so is there any other like you know doc rock does a great job with some camera reviews anybody else that you recommend uh, kind of go when you're talking about youtube university that you would uh, recommend people watch oh man if you if you talk about recommendations i have so many uh, <laughs> it's actually a feature that i have on my weekly live stream which i call cities Ga, mm -hmm. which is channels that i think you should go and watch and that city's Gaw segment is me highlighting a different YouTube channel every week that I think you should take the time and invest and look into their content. So it's always based around the kind of the subject that I'm talking about because I have so many channels right. that I follow. So recommendations, I would really say, honestly, I think YouTube does the best job of recommending the types of channels that you like, depending on how you've interacted with that platform. Because there's some content creators that I've never heard of, it's because they don't really fit the type of content that I watch. And when I find out about them, it's kind of like uncovering a 3 million subscriber channel under a rock because the type of content that they create exactly is not sort of catered to me. So, of course, I've in my own journey, I found, you know, the Peter McKinnon, Chelsea and Tony Northrup, you know, so many Jared Polins. Uh, I've. I could just name, I, I right. would need more of a category restraint <laughs> to say, yeah. you understand, to give you a better recommendation so, because. So like for Katie, like she's. Different people in different sections. Like Katie, she's busy. She's like, she's kind of like a beginner level. So P Peter McKinnon may be like, the, you know, he, he has his equipment like, oh my God. I just saw his new yeah. studio. I'm like, oh my gosh, how much money did he put that into that? But do you have like some. I mean, you can go watch uh, Mr. Camera Junkie on YouTube and it's going to suggest people because you watched 
Mr. Camera Junkie, but do you have any other kind of big, like if somebody's really starting to like, don't even understand what an F-stop is or aperture or that kind of stuff. Do you have any like beginner level people that you could uh, recommend? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but. Well, I would actually think, honestly, someone that I started with on the platform is probably Chelsea and Tony Northrup. Okay. Right. Not only do they have a, you know, a variety or like a, a wide understanding of photography in itself, but they also have like cheap or inexpensive books that you can buy that also give you access to their community. But um, their Facebook group is particularly based on their book. So if mm-hmm. you buy their book in PDF form for like $10, it gives you access to that community as well. And I think that would be a good entry point for someone starting out when it comes to photography, because they give you the basics. Awesome. That's great. Thank you so much for that. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but I've, I mean, I always love to get, you know, new channels to watch. And I know Katie does too. Jeff, I have this question from Jim too, yeah. as it kind of yeah. takes us into our our next section too. It's, it's kind of the stuff beyond the camera itself. So Jim says, how does the beginner handle transporting a kit bag holding $5,000 of uh, equipment outside the security and the confines of the house or office insurance costs, loss, damage? Like how do you wrap your mind around taking your precious <laughs> little baby out into the world? Right? That's a great point. Cause I've seen Luis with his, he's got a whole cart that he, he took around yeah. A pod fest. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't, that's a great question, Jim. Thank you for asking that. So what do you do when you travel or when you go outside to first shoot? Because that is like a lot of money you're putting in a bag or on a cart or something like that. That's actually a very good question, but that's also one of the reasons why I also recommend going used before noon because you have to know that to invest into a camera system is not only buying the camera itself, but just in case you were to drop this camera for whatever reason, and it is no good anymore, that you have the means to somehow replace it so that you could continue doing what you wanted to do. So that's my first recommendation to your budget should be a camera that you can buy twice. Right. Mm. And that if you can fit in that ballpark, that's why I recommend the ZV-1F because it's a $500 camera that comes with lenses and everything built in. But if you're already to that next level where you have this equipment, my my go to is to try to carry as little of it as possible when necessary. Now, the (laughs) the podcast was an exaggeration because we had basically an entire podcast production. Right. But if I'm doing photography then I will carry one camera with maybe two lenses, one that's on and just an extra because I don't want to carry around a big tech bag that I would have to take off and then have to keep an eye out for because that's when things actually end up going bad. Another recommendation is to buy a smaller camera bag. This is something that's worked for me because once I had a smaller camera bag, it required me to carry less things. And it also made it more convenient for me to keep an eye on that much smaller bag than like carrying, keeping an eye on a cart full of of things. Right. Right. Yeah. He he had an incredible setup at PodFest. It was really, really cool. Uh, Katie says, Luis is so generous to shout out other creators. Uh, she's going to sub to your channel. Look at that. Thank you, Katie, for doing that. It's really nice of you to say that as well. There's a couple of questions. Oh, Chris said he had no idea that the Sony ZV-1 only transmitted 720p of USB. He says, I learned something every time from Luis. So that's awesome. That's why, that's why he's here. That's why we have him on the show. And Gary says, I once had to take a big camera box, lights, green screen from LA to Dallas, $700 additional. Uh, yeah. So that, and also just the shipping. Yeah get if you get insurance like if you have that much money wrapped Mm -hmm. up in your equipment get insurance i've had things stolen uh i've had things uh, and insurance comes in heavy it's not fun to pay the uh, you know the premium you have to pay for it but it is in the long run when it's all gone (laughs) so now i'm not associated with them at all but i think uh professional photographers of america Mm -hmm. has a um a section for insurance where it's pretty inexpensive and they cover up to fifteen thousand dollars worth of equipment on you know like Right. Just in case. So whether yeah. that's theft or just destruction, it's something that you could look into. 
Yeah, and we talked about this before. I mean, even those old the old glass that you have is worth money because it's still it's still useful. It. Yeah, you can still use it. And so even if you if you've been like Luis and been collecting glass throughout the years, that adds up. And if something would happen to that, that would be a big hit. And so that's once again why insurance is super important. As we keep going along about talking about tools and equipment, I want to know beyond the camera. We've been talking about the camera, how important the camera is, the glass, the back for it. What are some other essential pieces of equipment that a beginner should have for creating high quality video content? Well, even though it hurts me to say this as a camera junkie, a microphone is actually more essential than the video quality. Uh, that's why I said that the three capsule microphone is actually good on the ZV-1F because a, a saying that I, I have is bad audio is unwatchable. And if you're trying to create content and you have a 4K image, but people can't hear what you're saying because you're breaking in and out or the synchronization of your lips to the sound is off, people are going to tune you right out because it just messes with their equilibrium and it's not going to happen yet. You can have a lower quality image, but if you have good audio where people could follow along with what you're saying and the message that's being conveyed that actually will go a lot further than the quality of image that you're producing. That's a great point. Nice. Yeah. Uh, we always forget. Yeah. I mean, we get all wrapped up in the camera and we forget how important the mics are uh, to put our points across. This is the best oh. example. People have never said walking out of a movie theater. Oh my God, the visuals are so bad that my eyes hurt. Yet, if you get audio wrong, you'll have people like holding onto their right. ears, just right. running out yeah. saying like, I can't deal with this pain right. because it's a completely different like type of um, sensory experience. And if you get that wrong, then the image pretty much doesn't matter. Especially when it's like the audio's off, like the lips are moving at a different cadence. I can't. Or even, feed, or even or yeah. even feedback on a microphone like eh, when that does yeah. that and people are like cringing you know like oh I, and that so has to do back. with frequency yeah yeah no, go ahead it's so so true and so important but let's say you know let's go back to the smartphone world right and because sometimes you know maybe we don't want to take the big rig out into the world or we're still not ready to make that investment i know there are other ways you can get the most out of your smartphone when it comes to creating video content or photo content, things like that. Is it mics? Is it settings on your phone? Is it apps? So if someone's not ready to make that that step to the big purchase, Luis, what would you say they can do to make the most out of their smartphone for video content? Well, that goes right back to the microphone and the audio. Um, yeah. DJI just came out with their latest wireless microphone set, uh, their version two of their DJI mics. And that one has an automatic either iPhone lightning or USB-C connector for the new iPhones or Androids to be connected right to it and have wireless audio transmission right into your phone. That is step number one. Another thing that you can do to take that quality up is download an application that's dedicated to video and video production. The one that I use is the Blackmagic app. That's mm -hmm. the one that I've been using most lately for my iPhone footage. And it gives you everything that you need, including like, like all the things that a professional right. cinematographer would require out of a cinema camera is kind of built into an application that you can use with your iPhone. So it is as easy as you want it to be, but also as complex as you need it to be. And that's what I would recommend to actually get the most out of your smartphone type cameras, audio, and get a third party app to make the most out of the video. That is so a I question around around recommendations when we're talking about microphones because you see it all the time now on on youtube especially with vloggers and stuff those small little clip-on microphones there's a whole host of them out there they connect to either i guess your 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 smartphone or your dslr your camera it seems super super easy to use and the audio sounds pretty good on them do you have any specific recommendations Luis, for those little kind of clip-on microphones well, the one that I purchased not too long ago and the one that I'm using still is the the Rode Wireless Go 2. Got it. Yeah. And like two weeks after that, they came out with the pro version that had all the bells and whistles. And I was like, no, 
because <laughs> I, I just bought the two, version two, but they're pretty much all within the same ballpark. So depending on your budget and if you have a preference in brand, right, then that would be it because I'm always speaking with Doc Rock and everything, and he knew that the DJI branded microphones had come out, yet I still decided to buy the Rode Wireless Go 2s, and that kind of fell into the fact that I have a somewhat of a Rode ecosystem. So mm -hmm. on top of that, it can do all of the same things that it can do for my iPhone or my DSLR mirrorless camera. It also had additional features that I can use with my Rodecaster Pro setup here, meaning I can just turn on the microphone and hit a slider on it, and now it's directly right. connected to that audio wow. system, and I can bypass all the other aspects for my in-home or you know studio production. And when I needed to go outdoors and use it completely wireless, it still has all the functionality that I need. So that's why I went with that device. That's really so it's kind of like preference, but if you do a little research, my main thing is uh, always reverse engineer your needs. So you yeah. first write down what it is that you're trying to get out of your production and then see what items are available that can help you meet those needs. Yeah, that's Love a it. great point. Uh, real quick, and I wanted to pull up this because Doc and, I, and you showed me the Blackmagic app on the phone, and I had been a user of Filmic Pro. Then they went to subscription and hacked me off because I paid for it. And then they went to the, they let you have the classic and then they have the new one that you have to get on a subscription, which I'm like, Argh! so that hacked me off. And so Doc showed me this, or I think you, either one of you showed me this and it's really, really cool. And so I totally agree with what Luis is saying. And yeah, I think you're blowing people's minds because they're like Chris Stones. Whoa, the black magic app you get with from the ATM mini. And Gary says the cool thing about the iPhone app is it's cloud storage integration. The, the yeah, the black magic app is that has the one with that. So yeah, it's very, very cool. Very robust. The only thing I wish it had was that I could have a remote. The Filmic Pro, I could actually use my iPad as a remote monitor. You can't do that right now with the Blackmagic app, but it still gives you all the control of the aperture and the white balance and all the cool stuff that you need, like Luis was saying. So that's why you have friends like Luis and Doc Rock, is they, they point you in the right direction. They tell you when you say, like, Don't quit using that, use this. That's why you have these people around you, folks. One of the things I want to talk about, we're talking about iPhones, and if you can't afford a back of a camera or glass right now, I know Doc's a big fan, and I think I saw you carrying one around, uh, Luis, uh, a, a cage for your phone. Can you talk about what those are and the ones you recommend, like where you have the handles on the side and you can put your phone in there and you can have places to mount like mics and stuff? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's actually like, rigging out your equipment right so mm -hmm. the same way a cinematographer will kind of nerd out and rigging out his big camera with all the extra screens and things like that you have that ability to do that with your smartphones it was actually doc rock that had this small rig branded mm -hmm. cage with like adjustable handles so the same type of hardware that you would use on a full cinema camera which are like those grip handles right. to allow you to balance it well you have now that ability to attach that to your iphone and that same cage will give you extra spaces or mounting locations which we refer to as cold shoes right mm -hmm. is just a location where you can connect a wireless transmitter it gives you a variety of different mounting points another thing that it does with cages which is traditional to all cameras is that it then also gives you a bunch of locations for quarter 20 uh, screws and the mm -hmm. quarter 20 screw is kind of like the universal screw for either yeah. photography or camera mounting. So when it comes to like articulating arms, you know, attaching lights or any other accessory to your cage, you're most likely going to be doing it through that quarter 20, you know, um, insert right. and the cage will then allow you to have a plethora of mounting accessibilities and functionality right within your digital camera or your smartphone camera, the same way that you would with a full-on cinema camera. 
what and we use ecam is what we're using if you guys want to find out more about it you can go to ecam.com forward slash jeff that's what we're using to do live streaming you know what luis does helps with the flow and doc does you've heard us talk about doc rock on the show he's been on the show as well it's an amazing tool for doing live video streaming it doing presentations doing uh, you know if you're having to do like software demos if you want to find out more about them ecam.com forward slash jeff you can actually get 15 percent off if you use the code jeff 15 but on that note I wanted to talk about, okay, we've maybe done a live show or we've created content. What is a great software for beginners to use to begin to edit that content that they have captured or they've gone to a podfest and they've they've shot some video with their phone or maybe they've actually done a live show? What do you recommend for editing that's that's easy for people and not too crazy expensive? There's a lot of free editors but my question to that would be where is your editing going to be done because i am a pc or computer type editor so all my footage is going to be inserted into that so that i can use my video editor of choice but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people out there who are just starting out that are going to be editing on their phones Mm-hmm. Right. Or on an iPad, a completely different device. So there's a lot of free video editors out there. I think Video Leap is one. I forgot the name of another one, but we also have the ability to use Blackmagic as well. Black, I have yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> another DaVinci. An- yeah, DaVinci Resolve. Oh, DaVinci Davinci Resolve. Yeah. yeah. So like if you're on an iPhone or an iPad, you can use DaVinci Resolve to start your editing. My recommendation is kind of more leaning towards the Doc Rock side, which is I wouldn't recommend you to start on an application that's limited so that then when you actually like expand your skills, you would then have to relearn a completely different program to expand upon your creative prowess, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So in this case, if you have the ability, I would recommend getting into a like a DaVinci Resolve that has a beginner mode, but then has all the functionality of a full fledged NLE or uh, editor so that you can expand into your creativity within the program. I use Final Cut Pro, so I would recommend that if you're looking into that realm, jump all in. They have a 90-day free trial, so give that a go before you purchase, and that will give you a much better understanding of how to use that program because it is pretty intuitive if you're in the apple universe right in the apple world then that program works very intuitive to their other applications so you might find it very easy and it still has all the functionality to expand with you so that would be my recommendation but if you're really into just starting out there's plenty of you know like application based type of editors like i said the video leap or the davinci resolve for ipad or iphone that could definitely definitely get you started in the right direction. Yeah, those are great. And, and I think CapCut, a lot of people are using as well. So I think a lot of people. Oh, have, you see, like, that's the whole yeah. thing. There's there's quite a so few, many. like yeah. VideoLeap, CapCut, um, mm-hmm. DaVinci Resolve. There's so many out there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's kind of a personal preference. Yeah. Real quick, I wanted to, as we're, man, this has flown by. I've, this has been such a great show. <laughs> Luis, thank you for doing this. Uh, there's so many, uh, I, so many questions I want to ask. So I want to talk about pitfalls to avoid. We've talked about, you know, having the audio, the camera, you know, but what are the, like you have set these up for a lot of different people. What is the biggest mistake that you've seen people do? Like when they first get started, they're like, they're all gung-ho, they're ready to create video content and you see them make this mistake, which, what is that? I would think is the biggest mistake, and I would hold myself accountable to this, is uh, waiting for everything to be perfect before you start. There's a lot of people who are trying to either acquire all the skills that they think are necessary before they start, or maybe it's all the equipment so that they can get like a perfect show because we're all striving for excellence. We're all striving for the mythical perfection. But the one pitfall that I think that whether you're in it at the beginning or in it for years that you could fall into is that perfection myth, which is there's no such thing as perfection. Mm. So once you understand that there's no such thing, then that gives you a better understanding. But the way that I came around to it is, let's say hypothetically, you were able to get everything perfect, right? 
and you produce your first podcast, video, interview, live stream, whatever it may be, and it's perfect. Where do you go from perfect? Right. Yeah. There's no, like, so you have to understand that that's something that's not realistic and that the best version of whatever it is that you're trying to create is never at the starting point. It's literally just so much further ahead that you need to take the first step. You know, I think it's a huge thing that everyone struggles with, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's not, it's not right to post. It's not right to post. And I think so much of that is our own self-doubt that people aren't going to like what we put out in that world. We just have to get over that, that sort of hurdle. But we also know that not only is, is quality important, right? It is still to a certain uh, effect, but also consistency is really, really important when it comes to content creation. So in that realm, Luis, what's your advice for balancing quality with consistency when you're creating content and putting it out into the world? Well, I would say consistency over quality. Mm, Got it. Because it's the same thing. You have to start somewhere. But with the consistent action of doing anything, your mind kind of automatically starts creating its own shortcuts, right? It's just the way that we we all are, right? We always try to build in efficiencies into everything that we do. That's why we, you know, it sounds simple, but that's why we have a toilet paper roll holder. (laughs) It's because we want to have something as convenient and localized to what it is that we're doing. So when you understand that, then you'll understand that when you start creating content, your, your wheels, you know, your cogs already start turning and your mind the cogs are are already like turning in your mind and as they're turning in your mind they're already kind of problem solving the issues that you have and that's what's crazy because they're only pertinent to you Mm. the issues that you have are only based on your setup on your situation because the way that i produce my show is completely unique to the way that i run kind of my mind so they match and to me to try to like impose that onto someone else is going to be very difficult when they don't know the craziness that lives inside my head. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Um, You mentioned this thing called the toilet paper roll holder. Where do you find one of those? Cause I'm just, Jeff doesn't have that in Texas. He actually just uses it. We go outside to go to the bathroom. I'm like, we have these special things called the latrine. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) Luis, this has been amazing. Um, One of the things that, you, you mentioned things with your own mind, and I know one of the big hangups and something that people struggle with is they see people like Louise or Connor or Doc Rock or Katie, or Katie Fox, and they, um, and they say, I got to be like them, right? So how, do you have any tips on developing your own unique style? I mean, I think it's great to see those people and, and like, they're doing great. You know, I want to, I want to be like them. But we all have to have our own style. You mentioned, you know, your own mind, the way your show works. Can you share some tips on developing that your own unique style that kind of stands out? Like how tell us a little bit about your process, maybe, and then how others can do something great, but be their own person. Okay, this is going to be awesome because it's something that I've recently just found out, Mm -hmm. which is anything that you make is going to inherently have your style baked in and i learned this because as a you know struggling perfectionist right Right. i'm trying to create content as well and then i realized that the people who are searching for the information that i'm providing really are more interested in the information that i'm providing than the quality and the form that i'm providing it in Mm. so one of the mastermind groups that i'm in a co-content creator kathy hester she's amazing put a challenge on to me to just create shoddy shorts for lack of another word right <laughs> right, right. And, and just say like look don't try to overproduce them that like all the extra thinking that you're doing and that you actually enjoy because i have fun adding all the bells and whistles but she just said just get the information out there and i made a challenge of just creating a short video every single day for a week and just seven days and mm-hmm. 
it taught me so much in that aspect that the things that I'm worried about, people who are watching the video do not care. Yeah. We're holding ourselves accountable or to like this high degree, right? Because we are our own worst critics. Right. But they care more about the information and the the feedback that I got of like, oh, I needed that bit of information or so on and so forth. Like, you know, like um Chris Stone was saying earlier about the 720p mm-hmm. off of the webcam feature, right? I didn't need to create an entire video to get that information out. And just him hearing it through this, you know, live stream or this podcast, he was able to get that information now implement it into his, you know, like into his repertoire, into his workflow. And I didn't need to make it all fancy because we are, like I said, once again, our own worst critics. So after I did the seven days of those shorts, right? And I'm thinking, like, I'm criticizing myself, like, oh, you could hear the AC in the background in this (laughs) video. You could do this, that, right? I met up with my friend in Orlando after PodFest. And he came up to me, he said, yo, I saw one of the videos that you made. And just by me watching it, I knew that it was your video. It made me look twice. And I was like, yo, that looks like the videos that my friend Lewis, Mr. Camera Junkie makes. He then watched it, recognized that it was me and then hit the like and continued. The reason why I bring that up is because I felt that I put no signature of my own in any of those videos. I felt like I did absolutely nothing. There was no captions. There was nothing that would say Mr. Camera Junkie. And yet the video itself had an inherent style to it that was solely me that the people who do know me were able to recognize that just like that, even Mm -hmm. if I didn't put anything on it. So that is my answer to that question. Make the content because your personality, your style is going to be baked into it, whether you want to or not. (laughs) (laughs) That is a great point. And with that, we, this is, what are you going to say, Connor? Did I, sorry, I cut you off. I just said, love it. I love it. So uh, once again, you have been amazing, uh, Luis. Thank you for for doing this. I want to give you a chance to tell everybody what you've got going on, what you're up to, where to find you. You've got a great merch store at MrCameraJunkie.com. Everybody needs to go check that out. But uh, tell people where they can find you and what you're doing. Well, you said it there. You can basically just go to Mr. Camera Junkie, one word altogether, dot com. You could just Google Mr. Camera Junkie and you're going to find my face and this beard on all the social (laughs) media sites. So whichever one is your preferred site, you most likely find me there creating content in one way or another. And yeah, but Mr. Camera Junkie dot com is my fourth wall site. You can find me there. You can find the merch. You can shoot me a message. You could become a member. Right. Mm. Because I actually started a membership there for my camera junkie crew and the people who are invested in me and want to see me succeed. So if you want to find me or reach out to me, that would be the best place. So Mr. Camera Junkie for you guys listening on the podcast. Make sure you go check him out. Mr. Connor Brown. Where can people find out all about Connor Brown? You can find out more about me at WDWOpinion.com and across the social media landscape at WDWOpinion. Yes, and that's Connor with one N. He constantly tells me one N. Yes, so thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you, Gary, for watching. Thank you, uh, Chris, everybody who stopped by today, Jim, um, Katie, all you folks who stopped by. So many people watched this and loved it. And thank you, Louise, for your awesome tips. And we will see you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Social Media News Live.